Amen. All right. Um, just a couple of things we're doing. We're in a series called One Another, and we're looking at kind of, these are kind of like family attributes. Like uh, if, if you were describing your family and I, was, and I said, what's the culture of your family? What's your family like? How do you, like, what, what are, how do you treat each other? Uh, what are the rituals you have? You would describe certain things that are true of your family culture. You may not even have those things formalized, but as you describe things, you will have them. So we say, oh, what do you guys do at birthdays? If your answer is we do nothing at birthdays, that's a family culture. If your answer is everyone comes over and someone jumps out of a cake, and that's a family culture. And so when we talk about one another, we're, we're looking at what is the family culture that God gives us that he wants us to grow in our family here, uh, in the Christian family around the world. How does God want us to treat one another? Um, and what are the cultures that he wants us to be. And what we'll find is like some of them will be like, yeah, 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 that's like a no-brainer. I've been telling you all, I've been telling everyone, this is how we should treat each other. And other ones you'll be like, uh, oh, that's painful. Um, I'm not very good at that. And other ones you'll be like, nah, I don't think so. Um, but if it's valuable to God, it needs to be valuable to us. And so we're looking at another one today, another one, another. If you break the one another's up, there's like 52, I think, in the, in the Bible. We're not having 52 sermons, so we kind of just collating some of them, putting them together. And so some of the sermon titles are terrible because we're trying to find a word to like capture three or four different things. Um, and some of the, I, one week someone came to me and they were like, um, uh, sorry, not someone, one of the, the uh, Brian, who was doing the recording came and he's like, I'm uploading the sermon. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know. Um, so I tested him. I was like, well, what would you call it? <laughs> anyway, did we, in other words, did we get to what we were aiming for? Um, so this morning is about honoring one another. And we were going to do an interview with a couple. And I'm told that I'm not allowed to say why we're not going to do it. Uh, but I'll leave the mystery. It's, it's wonderful things, not bad things. But um, we're not going to be doing an interview with a couple. Um, so... We are going to be looking at honoring, and I think um, this is going to be good. What I want you to be, be, be prepared with is, do you have a phone? Do you have, do you, uh, okay. So I know, like, I don't know, some of you have come from other churches. Uh, a lot of you have come from other churches. Um, and in many churches, you, you, like, put your phones away, put your phones on silent, and that's great. Uh, if you can take your phone out and keep it ready, don't, don't be distracted by it. You're adults. You know how to, you know, you know, uh, <laughs> How not to be distracted by your phone, right? <laughs> so the sermon's not on that. So let's just get back to let's just get back to the. But what I want you to do is to get ready before we are done today. You're going to try. I'm going to ask you to honor two people. You don't have to do it through your phone, but I'd prefer that you do it to someone that's not in this room. Someone's that's not in this room, and the best means is through this phone. And thankfully, because of city to surf. Uh, there's lots of people that aren't in this room that are in this church that you could honor, but you have many more people in your life that you could honor. There's people all around the world that you might think of. Um, so just bear that in mind. I don't want you to, you don't have to package it yet. You don't even need to know what you're going to do yet. You don't even need to know who you're going to honor yet. I just want you to hold that you're planning before the end of the service to honor uh, two people. And we'll stop somewhere through this sermon and then we'll stop at the end and give you a quick opportunity. Um, all right, so um, quickly, let's just look at what honor means, um, because it's kind of a word that we use. Um, 
but we need to know kind of biblically what does it mean. When, whenever you want to understand something from Scripture, just a tool, don't go look in the dictionary. The dictionary isn't designed to tell you what the Greek, Aramaic, or Hebrew word meant original, in its original context. The dictionary is designed to tell you what the English word meant in its context, and it's not always the same. So whenever you go look, you want to understand something that the Scriptures say, you go, what does that mean? You go to a Bible dictionary. And then it's done the, ho- the homework for you. So here's some of what honor means. Honor is a social term describing how people in a society evaluate each other. A social term describing how people in society evaluate each other. In the Old Testament, the, the uh, word used for honor, in, so when it's translated on in our English Bible, the word meant weight. Um, and so this is idea, we still use this metaphor today, but when you give weight to someone, you're allowing them to have influence. You, give, you gave weight to their opinion. Let's say uh, after the service, uh, there's three of you and one of you wants to go to KFC and, and someone else wants to go to Grilled and you are the decision maker and you say, ah, oh, no, we'll definitely go to Grilled. You, you're giving weight to what that person said you, uh, over this. There were two opinions. You picked one. There was a reason. You honored that opinion more than you honored this opinion for whatever reasons you chose. So we give weight to things all the time, right? You, if we stop now, you... you, you and, and here's the thing in, in Scripture. No, we'll get there, so let me just move on. Um, so, uh, so to honor someone is to evaluate them highly... Um, and in our society, we usually evaluate people on the basis of popularity, position, wealth. I think in Perth, children receive high honor um, in our society, probably a little bit too much. Most kids have miniature invisible crowns uh, that people lay down and worship before. But it's not true. You know, all these are small pictures of uh, what our society may honor. If someone walked through the room today... Uh, let's say they, they were a, a professional athlete and someone else walked in the room that wasn't a professional athlete, would one of them receive more honor than the other? And we don't just use your Christian knees answer. Jesus is always the answer. Oh, no, it's not a Jesus question. What's the next, not, what's the next always right answer? Everyone's equal. Yeah, no, no one would receive more honor. Um, that's, but would they? In your heart of hearts. What if uh, it was a Hollywood star, your favorite movie you watched last night, and then they walk through the room to come and worship this morning. Um, interesting how many uh, Hollywood stars do attend church. Uh, would this be a church someone could attend and not be treated like a celebrity? Not have selfies, not have people fainting, not have people... You know, there's lots of spaces this morning. What if they were sitting on the front row? Would the front row get a little more busy next week? Would a few people be sitting... Oh, I'm going to sit in the front row just in case Chris, Chris Hemsworth sits there again, Right? <laughs> If that's giving someone honor because of a, a kind of a societal reason rather than a what has God put into them reason. Uh, do, do you get what I'm saying? I'm not, so uh, we have all ways of honoring. Um, and so it may not even be that grand. It may just be like your boss walks in the room and suddenly you forgot how to speak English properly. Um, when someone else walks in the room, you're, you're quite okay. You're, you're quite normal. Uh, and so the, what that is evidence of is that that person has more weight in your life than someone else. Or if, if you're a high schooler and your crush walks in the room, I remember this when I was in high school. Uh, I, was, I was in church and uh, well, I, was, I was in a pretty big public school and my high school crush came to church with her parents. 
And it was like, I cannot tell you what was preached that week. I cannot tell you what songs we sang that week. She started coming for a month. And I remember in my heart of hearts being like, God, I don't know if I wanted to come to church or not to come to church because it's so hard having her here at church. Um, I don't know like, how to speak to my friends, how to close my eyes to worship you, how to listen to a sermon. I don't, even, I don't know anything anymore. Um, fortunately, they went to another church shortly afterwards. Um, and I got back to the main thing. Uh, met Nasia and fell in love. But there's all sorts of people we give weight to in our lives that maybe don't deserve that weight that we give them, maybe do, but the reasons, at least it's not about them so much as the reasons in our heart that we choose to honor them, that we give them honor. And the Bible's not like this. The Bible's quite different. Paul says that he's writing in the verses that we read, by the grace given to me, he says. And so he says, in this he's doing three things. One, he writes... He says he's writing with an authority that comes from God. Um, this is not my opinion. This is not me saying stuff. This is by the grace given to me. Paul's pretty self-aware in today's language. You know, Michael Eaton used to say that people don't know what gift, what gift they have because it's natural to you. What do you do easily? You don't know that it's a gift. You think everyone can do it because you just do it. It's just easy for you to do. Some of you, uh, if you ask Tilly how hard it is to cook food, uh, not that one yet, Chris. If you ask Tilly how hard it was to cook food, he just said it's pretty easy. You know, like ingredients, they just go like this, blah, blah, blah. But there's kind of a, a giftedness in the ability to like smell and taste and whatever and put stuff together. I don't have that. So it's not as easy. And, and so maybe, you know, someone who's as gifted looks at someone else and goes, oh, no, you're just all lazy. You don't really like even care about what you eat. And it's like, no, just not as gifted, etc., um, etc., cetera, et cetera. And so Michael Eaton used to say that you don't know what you're gifted at because it's natural for you. Paul, however, does know what he's gifted at because he's identified it not at what am I great at. Paul goes, what is the grace of God that is put on my life? What has God asked me to do and, and graced me and given me the ability to do? And so he's able to say, what I'm writing to you, I write with the grace of God. It's his authority, not mine. He's, God wants me to speak to you about these things. Um, so, so one, he's uh, doing that through the authority of God. Two, it's by God's grace. Paul hasn't earned it. He hasn't said, you know, because I was uh, the best student of Gamaliel, which he was, because I was the, the Jew of Jews, I was far outranking those in my ca- uh, school category, which he was. It wasn't because he was Jewish and, and able to... He gave no... This is all by the grace of God. It's unearned. God has chosen me for reasons I cannot understand, but this is what He has called me to. It's by the grace of God alone. It's unearned. Number three, He says, this is what God wants me to do. So for all of us, uh, there's, a, there's a sense not only of what Paul is saying, but what he's modeling for us as well. Paul's not saying, this is the grace of God on me alone, he also is in that, in that being able to go, all of us can go, well, what's the grace of God on me? What has God given me the ability to do for him? What has God called me, how has God called me to glorify him? As much as Paul needs to be obedient to the apostleship that God has placed on him, you and I have to be obedient to the things that God has called us to do for his glory as well. And so he's modeling something to us. And so what's the grace of God on our lives? And what's the grace of God on others' lives? This is the other thing that we have to ask, is how has God graced those around me? 
There is something that Paul says often gets in the way of this. In the scripture, Paul, Paul identifies that the Christians, like all people, have a tendency to think too highly of themselves. See, Paul's not trying to waste words. He's, uh, when you write an academic paper, they, they don't want you to waste words. Nath is doing his PhD. He's got to write thousands and thousands and thousands of words. And it's not one of those things you can kind of just f- add fluff to get to the, to, to fill it out. Every sentence is supposed to have weight. You're not supposed to have run-on sentence. Get to your point quickly every single line for thousands and thousands of pages or words. Uh, and Paul's not wasting words here. Um, he means what he says. And so when he says, I want you to have, think of yourselves with sober judgment, he's looking into the church and seeing a problem that we, are, we tend to not think of ourselves with t- sober judgment. We tend to think of ourselves uh, wrongly, too highly, too lowly, but not correctly. And Paul goes, I want you to think of yourselves with sober judgment. To, um, in, in, if, we, if we wrote this in our, in our language today, we'd say, I want you to be realistic about yourself, which is quite a relief because some people put too much of a burden on themselves. And then being realistic is like being able to go, hey, you're not everything. Let's say it's a parent. And a parent's like, I'm going to be the best mom. I'm going to be the best dad. I'm not going to make any mistakes. I've read all the books. I'm going to like only sleep when the baby sleeps. I'm going to wake up every... It's going, hey, have sober judgment about the kind of parent that you're able to be. Yes, God has given you the grace to parent this child, but you do not have the grace to be God to this child. Be realistic about yourself. (sighs) Or the opposite. Hey, be realistic. God has given you the grace. God has enabled you. You are not nothing. You are not useless. Be realistic. There is something you can contribute to life. And so Paul identifies that, that kind of we, we tend to not be uh, realistic in how we think about ourselves. And Paul wants us to identify the grace of God in our lives. What grace has God given you? Here's that picture. Thanks, Chris. Um, what grace has God given you? What grace has God given to other people? When we honor one another, we want to honor the grace of God in each other's lives. We want to encourage them and glorify God. So when we honor one another, if I honor Josh, I don't want to say, Josh, you just have like the best taste in country music, which is so hard to do. That's not like, that's not actually honoring really. I mean, no one, country music's, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I like to tease Josh. I actually quite like country music. It's a lot like hip hop, which I really like. Um, I don't go, oh, your choice in, you know, Will's not here this morning. Your choice in uh, su- sustainable clothing is impeccable. That, I mean, that's not, that might, that might be something I prefer, but is it, am I really honoring him? I like your height. I like your color hair. I like the way you look. Is that really honoring? Or or is that just kind of sharing my opinions about someone else? What What we're doing when we're talking about honoring is saying, I want to notice the grace that God has put into your life. I want to observe that, and I want to call it out of you, and I want to encourage it. And in doing that, I'm glorifying God because I'm noticing His work in you. 
So I can go to Sam and say, Sam, thank you for the worship that you led us in. I think your sensitivity uh, in you choosing your songs, in putting your set together, um, in leading us, thank you for using the grace of God that's on your life and the gifts that He's given you to create an environment for us to engage in worship. The question isn't, are they all my favorite songs? Are they my least favorite songs? That's not the question. It's not an opinion piece. It's a, what is the glory of God in someone, and how is that being used for the good of the community? Oftentimes, uh, we've called out Andy uh, to kind of go, Andy, we see the grace of God on your life to serve. Now, don't hear that as, now that makes us all, that, you know, You've got the grace of God to serve, so I'm going to sit here and let you just do what God has gifted you at. Um, and I would like a hamburger for lunch, please. That's not, that's not at all honoring. But it's saying, Andy, when I watch your life, I see an energy, an ability, uh, a, a quick response, a joy, a delight, a good that it affects other people, a way that it empowers the community, a way that it, it, it just honors God. And I, I, I see that in your life. I want to serve like you, but you have a grace on your life, and I thank you for it. And we've said before, you know, the easiest thing to do is when someone has a grace that we don't have, we try and relax them to our level. So I'm uncomfortable with how much you serve. So, you know, you should take more of a break. Take as much of a break as I would like so I'm not challenged to serve like you. Right? And obviously we only want to live in the grace of God on our lives. We don't want to do more and we don't want to do less. So none of us have the grace of God that we would like to have, Paul say in, in being realistic about ourselves. We would all like to be the best at something, right? We'd all like to be more influential. Um, think about whatever you do in your industry. Wouldn't you like to be the best whatever you are? Uh, and if it's not at work, then in the home, wouldn't you like to be the best, I don't know, father, son, husband, wife, daughter, mother, engineer, nurse, midwife, doctor, carpenter? What is it that you do? Wouldn't you like to be the best at it? Wouldn't you just love to have that grace? And we'd, we'd all like that, right? And we'd all like to be Paul. I'd love to be able to get up and preach like Tim Keller. I'd love that. But the, that's not the grace of God in my life. Um, so we're not nearly as important or necessary or as gifted as we would like to choose. My friend, he, he, he's, I hope you meet him one day. He's so funny. He's now a pastor in uh, Thailand, uh, but we knew each other in America and he used to say that when God was, he had, he had a, a, a Timothy tummy. He always had disruptions. He could, he could only eat like very few foods. And we'd go out to like in and out and he'd be destroyed for days. Uh, we pray, true story, prayed for him once in a prayer meeting. My hand went hot and his tummy went hot and the prayer was finished. And we were both looking at each other like, what just happened? Like, like, what, where did that heat come from? And his tummy got healed. But that, it was years before that. Uh, that he's, and he used to talk about Timothy tummy. He's like, yeah, when God was handing out stomachs, I was definitely at the back of the line and got whatever he had left over. Um, and we can be like this about gifts. You know, I want to be in the front of the line and get the best whatever that God has to hand out. But what I was is I was at the back of the line and I just got what God had left over. I don't really have any way to uh, glorify and honor God. And that's not, in, that's not true at all. 
Um, but we all want to be in the front of the line. Um, but let's be realistic about ourselves and real in community. So not acknowledging God's grace and honoring each other can be quite bad. Like this is a, this is a competition that Paul calls us into. Uh, outdo one another in giving honor. This is, a com- this is the only time Paul uses uh, competitive language. Outdo one another in giving honor. When we don't do that, I live in a small community called a family of six people. And when we don't honor each other, what we do instead is dishonor each other. We put ourselves up above each other. My wants, my needs are more important than your wants, your needs. What I bring into this family is really important, and we're only going to notice what you don't bring. Right? So like, you never, you always, you haven't. How come I'm always having two? is the kind of language, and we start to uh, pull each other down in, in dishonor instead of saying, like, not everyone's going to be everything in every family. Yesterday, my son organized dinner. For those of you who know Ezekiel, and he's not here, so it's fair to say this, I think. He organized dinner, which is miraculous, almost. <laughs> Zeke, if, if something happened to the rest, the five of us, it would take him days before he would figure out where in the house he could find food. <laughs> so he had organized dinner for five people, four people. Small miracle. I was getting frustrated. By the fifth phone call, I was like, don't worry about it. It'll be easier for me to do by myself. <laughs> he said, Dad, please let me handle it. It's like, all right, Whoa. Small rebuke. I know what I'm preaching on Sunday. Thank you, God, for the rebuke. (coughs) Okay. Handle it. I think I had a small good luck as I pushed the red button. I don't know. I'm just saying. It was definitely in my heart. I don't know if it came out in words. Um, He handled it. He got everyone's order. He got food. Then he fetched it. He paid for it. These are all small miracles. You, You go like, yeah, I do this every day. What's the big deal? We're talking about someone who has been fed from a bottle for 16 years. (laughs) Figured it all out, brought it home. And it was so wonderful to see the family honor. And so we appreciate that this is probably not something you enjoy doing. But because of your love for the family, you went beyond yourself. The gift is not foraging for food. He is not a gifted food forager. If that is not who I'd want to put in charge of our food. There is no grace of God in that. But there was grace to love others, to lead, and to figure it out. And and that was honored. Thank you for loving us so much that you took leadership and figured out how to put food into our stomachs, and you made it happen. Thank you. And so that's a moment I I wish, I mean, I could tell you many more moments where I don't do that in my family, uh, but I don't feel like sharing those with you. But I just want you to be clear about that. Because if we're not honest, then we will become super like legalistic Christians and go, yeah, we we have such a God-honoring culture in our family where really what we do is pull each other down. And we don't take accountability for that. And we don't say, hey, I'm sorry. I've been pointing out your faults or the things where you don't have grace and you don't meet my expectation or wants or desires. I apologize because that's not good for you. What I want to do for you is I want to honor you. I want to lift you up. 
I want to notice what God has enabled you to do. I want to see when you are trusting God, where you are at the end of yourself, but you're holding on to Him and you're bringing something in which is beyond you. And I want to honor that. And it takes humility. It's hard. So this is what happens when we don't honor each other. We we compare ourselves uh, and each other to others. There's always someone better to compare us to compare others to. Sorry. Um, we grow impatient with each other. When will they change? We judge each other wrongly or harshly. Accountability goes down because we don't see our own weaknesses. Relationships become strained. We can't see beyond our own perspective. Um, Conflict and misunderstandings increase. Difficulty, we, get, we, we find it difficult to get feedback. Isolation increases. We develop an unrealistic self-image. We're either arrogant or insecure. But this is really about our self-importance. We become less collaborative and trusting of others. And ultimately, our bond with each other is weakened. In other words, we start to see each other as too costly rather than the privilege of that I get to lay my life down for you, which is obviously a cost. So Paul doesn't want us to think of ourselves too much or too little or too often. He just wants to think, he wants us to think of ourselves less, to become more aware of how God has gifted us and graced us and gifted others so that we fit together like a body. And you can imagine that as a body fits together and different parts bring its grace, you can imagine how wonderful and life-giving and fruitful that becomes. So Paul gives some examples, but not, not <coughs> a lot. They're just illustrative. But you see how a grace, what God has called someone to, something to do, uh, is kind of followed with an attitude or a correct kind of do this, this way or uh, correct heart, or correct way of thinking. So Paul says, uh, if God has given you the grace to lead, lead with zeal. As you know, anyone who's got the, the grace to lead, you may be tempted to lead like this. It's so hard. I'm such a hero. I mean, this is tough, but I'm doing it. You know? uh, if God's given you the grace to teach, then teach someone something. It's very easy to say, God's called me to teach. I need the stage. If God's called you to teach, find a cafe. Find a lounge. Find a beach walk. Just teach someone something. God's given you the gift to contribute. Give generously. Don't judge others' gifting. Don't check what other people are giving. He's given you the grace. You just get on with it. If it's mercy, be merciful cheerfully. If it's to serve, serve in some way. If it's to encourage, encourage someone. If it's hospitality, welcome people in. This is is an interesting one. Sometimes you, you kind of hear, someone might say, I have the gift of hospitality, but they never have anyone in their home. Or welcome anyone. Or, you know, it's like, in other words, what they probably do what is probably true is they love people. They love being social. They want to be invited to everything. But if you have the gift of hospitality, of welcome, of engaging people, welcome. Welcome wherever you can. Make this your home. Make this your lounge. 
as visitors walk in. Be the most hospitable person you can. If it's prophecy, speak boldly. If it's wisdom, offer wise counsel. If it's evangelism, share the gospel. A friend of mine told me he was an evangelist, and, and I was like, well, that's great. I'd known him for quite a while, so it wasn't a harsh judgment. But after a few years, he said it again. I was like, what do you mean by evangelist? And, and it was just as, so we had a conversation. He was like, maybe you should um, relieve yourself of this burden because in the years I've known you, no one's come to faith. Um, I think every, all of us have a grace. But if it's an evangelist, share the gospel and let's see people saved. And that's great. But I share the gospel and I don't see people saved all the time or often. I think in my life, maybe a handful of people have come to Christ. I would love it to be handfuls and toefuls and bucketfuls. When I read, the hardest books to read are evangelistic books. Because for the evangelists, evangelists should never write books on evangelism. Why? Because they think everyone can do it. Just start a conversation with your Uber driver. That's how easy it is. You know how many conversations I've had on the way to the airport that have never landed in them weeping and saying, give me Jesus. I've had to admit that as much as I would love the grace and the gifting of evangelism, I might have the heart, but I do not have the gift. And, and just so I'm not off the hook, Jesus has called us all to do the work of the evangelist. So no one's off the hook. If it's faith, trust God confidently. When you see the lack of faith, boost us with faith. When you hear us speaking uh, with the disillusioned heart, speak faith into us again. Blow wind in our sails. Just trust God confidently. If it's knowledge, share your insights. If it's discernment, uh, provide clarity. If it's intercession, pray earnestly. I met a lady a few weeks, a couple of weeks ago, um, who is in Perth and wants to see God work in a certain industry, and so she pays a group of intercessors. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> she's got a group of people who are paid to get up in the morning and pray for the work of Jesus that she's leading. I was like, "Why do you pay them?" And she's like, "Because I want to make sure that they're accountable to pray." <laughs> and so it's like, you, "You have work to do this morning. Get out of your bed and pray." Um, great. If you can find a way to get paid to pray, go for it. That's not honestly something I'd want to have to do as a job. Um, you can, so the point of here is that the body becomes quite beautiful when everyone's just doing the things that God has called them to do, right? And grace us to do. So Paul then moves to his next point. He says, seeing the grace of God uh, on your life and others, love each other like a family. He calls it brotherly affection. Uh, he's saying, like, this is what it looks like in a family. When you love each other like a family, it, Paul makes this assumption that all families have this honoring culture. You know? and, and honestly, where love is uh, superseding other things in the family, there is an honoring culture because love covers a multitude of sins. So when uh, you have a family that loves each other and dad's late for something, uh, I was late for something with Ella the other day. I let her down. I forget what it is. I forgave myself already and I can't remember. Sorry, you just telling me? Netball training. Oh, I was late for netball. Oh, that was great. <laughs> Do you remember that night we had bucketed down? So Ella and I had a misunderstanding, and uh, I assumed she would be inside a building, and she assumed I was going to be on time. 
and she was waiting under the tree as a bucket of down. And I arrived 15 minutes late, and she, had, she looked like she had a shower in her clothes. And she got in the car, and I said, I'm just so, so, so sorry. And I knew that if I was sitting in her seat with water pouring down my body, I would not be ready to forgive. Uh, and I just, I, I was broken. I was brokenhearted. I was just so sorry. And she just quickly like this, love covers a multitude of sins. Dad, it's okay. I forgive you. Two minutes later, Ella, I'm so sorry. Dad, it's okay. I forgive you. Uh, obviously, she still remembers, so it's a bit of a scar, but <laughs> she's not like God. It's not as easy to forget. But love covers a multitude of sins, so it is possible to honor imperfect people. It is possible to live closely with each other, and as love starts to reign, that we're able to honor each other, not not seeing each other's faults, but covering each other's faults with love, and being able to honor the good that is present. And so, in that sense, Ella may be able to say, Dad, I forgive you. I cover your, your sin against me, uh, your, your forgetfulness. You're putting yourself above me in whatever you did. I forgive that, but I honor you. are my father. You love me. I know you would have never wanted me to be stuck under uh, a tree in the rain, or whatever it is. And you see how we start to lift each other up. We start to make each other uh, everything we can be in the sight of God rather than just pulling each other down because it's too, it's too unsafe to uh, cover each other, to lift each other when we're imperfect. What could happen? We could let each other down. We could get hurt. So Paul says, do outdo one another with giving honor, being, being kind to each other, being respectful to each other, being considerate to each other. Outdo each other. Go beyond each other. View each other's contributions as indispensable. Learn from each other. Applaud each other. Take a moment. Just right now, take a moment. We all, I'm, I'll land it after this, and then we'll do it again. Just take a moment and think of the first person that you can honor. We're not thinking of the perfect human being. What I'm asking you to do is think of some aspect of someone's life that you can say, hey, I really want to... Just say, I noticed this about you. I noticed God's grace on you in this way. Adam Peterson. Man, you have a way to just profoundly love people on an emotional level. You demonstrate love in action and warmth in the tones of your voice. There is a grace on your, your life. Sorry, I am talking to you, Adam. I don't mean to be also looking at others. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of making it us. We're saying that. It's true. It's that. Is Adam perfect? I hope not, because then we're all in trouble. The only one that's perfect is Jesus, but that is still the grace of God on his life. What's a grace on your life? What's a grace on someone else's? Can you take two minutes? I'm going to stop talking and just give you two minutes. You can whip your phones out. And you can prepare a message. It doesn't have to be profound. It doesn't have to be the best. It, just send someone a message. I, know, I see the grace of God in this way in your life. And if they're non-Christian or, or something on, you know, I don't know, you just want to, maybe you can't use that language with someone. I, I don't know. Bless someone now, and then I'll end it. As I was thinking about this, um, 
sermon this week, let me just give you an example. Uh, I won't say people's names, uh, but I'll give you an example to say I, I was able to send this to a couple. Not a person, but a couple. Because you can also have uh, grace as a couple if you're married or as a family. I'm studying Romans 12.10. You two are supreme examples of this. As you well know, Paul writes, Love one another like family. Outdo one another in showing honor. You're both incredible at this. Practically, you show appreciation, gratitude, celebration. You make apologies quickly. You're considerate. You learn people's names. And you remember the details. I could go on, but I think my point is stated and proven already. In this friendly competition Paul has called us into, you are among the best of the best. See, it's... Well, I'm, I'm just trying to... It's not, it's not terribly hard to notice that other people may be generous or gracious or kind or zealous or, or compassionate. But sometimes we notice without noticing and to be able to pause and learn to be honoring and to be able to say, I see this in your life and I want to outdo. That's what Paul is calling us to. Don't notice without notice. Notice what you're noticing. That's what Paul's saying. Outdo one another in giving honors. Notice what you can honor about someone and focus on that. That actually turns our culture upside down from being able to let each other down to it doesn't matter if you let us down. There's still ways which we just praise God for His work in your life. So Jesus is the prime example of this for us. Um, how does Jesus honor us? Jesus is the creator of all things who enters humanity and washes feet. So if you have the grace to serve, you can look to Jesus who viewed no task as too small for him. Jesus, the eternal prince of heaven, he suffers and dies on the cross. That's impossible for an eternal God, and yet he does it. If you've been given the grace to lead or to manage or to parent or to pioneer something, um, you can look to Jesus who valued our, our eternal well-being over his own well-being. And you can get up tomorrow and you can value others' well-being over your own comfort and ease. Um, Jesus, he kept making people feel included. The societal outs always had an in with Jesus. The people that we crossed the street to get away from, Jesus always crossed the street to get close to. So if you're someone who has this grace of compassion and mercy, look to Jesus. He never tired of giving people dignity. Never tired of showing mercy and grace. There's a story uh, um, Kirsty has of... Uh, helping a homeless person in the city. And, and if you know Kirsty, you know the compassion that she has for people. And she's helping a homeless person. And uh, th- they needed some to be cleaned. And as, they, as she took the, the sock off this person, I don't think she was stealing, I think she was trying to help. As she took the sock off this person's foot, there, there was a bad... Th- there were, maggots were involved and things were dying. And at that point... I think in my, my heart dropped, and I went, dear God, oh no, please don't call me to this. <laughs> uh, I, and I became self-focused. I became aware of the grace that's not on me. 
and I became aware of my lunch and tried to keep it down. But I also became aware of the grace of God in her life and how she, like Jesus, was able to lean into any mess, any stink, any horrible uh, sight. She's able to lean in with the love of Jesus and give dignity and healing. Man, we need more of that. Man, I need that. I've got mess and stink in my life. Okay, take another two minutes and just, uh, if you can just think of a second person that you can honor. Just send them a message right now and then I'll uh, close in prayer and hand over. Who can you assess highly? Who can you give weight right now? All right, you can carry on if, you are, if you're doing that. I'm just going to try and land in, in practice. I remember uh, Carolyn uh, saying years ago, uh, she appreciated the, the sermon, which I, I appreciated, but she said, um, I'm an Australian and I need you to be very, very, very practical, uh, which, which is like the hardest thing in the world for me to be. Um, so thank you, Carolyn. That has stayed with me for years. So let's try and be very, very practical. How can you grow in showing honor? Uh, number one, um, if you can just put the slide up, Chris, and we can keep this up during communion. Uh, pray for God to help you see and treat others like he does and to help and see what Jesus has done for you in a deep way that goes all the way down into your heart. You need God to, you need God to help you. Don't try to do this without God. Why? Because if you do it well, you will get glory. Wow, you're so amazing at this. And you go, yeah, thank you. Uh, if you do it badly, you can get shame and guilt. This is not about you. This is about praising God and lifting others. And if God changes your heart, it will be about that, and you will grow. Um, show gratitude for everything you can, from everyone you can, everywhere you can, all the time. You will, have, you will find you have at least 10 to 20 chances every single day to show uh, unusual gratitude. Someone opens the door for you at work, pause for a split second and say, thank you so much go through. Just honor what that person has done in that moment for you. Someone brings you your coffee that you have spent way too much money for, uh, which I do every day. Thank you so much for this coffee. You will have so many opportunities to be, be grateful for everything you can, from everyone you can, everywhere you can, all the time. Slow down between appointments and try to notice if there's anyone you can help along the way. Leave earlier so that you can go slower. Listen to others. When someone's speaking to you, put your phone away, unless they ask you to take it out and send text messages. Um, and don't look at your smartwatch. You ever meet with someone and they're like, they've put their phone away, but then they keep checking their, their, the messages on their watch? You're like, I, often I sit there, I'm like, I'm going to try to be gracious, but everything inside of me just wants to go like, Man, that's the same thing. Like, just bring your, just bring your phone out. Like, I'm not a dum-dum. I, I, I know how smartwatches work. Just <laughs> we think we're sneaky. You know the side leg thing? One of you did it this morning. You've got the side leg text thing. It's like, we know what's going on. Just take the shame away. Either just do it or don't do it. But don't, like, do it in shame. Um, show, uh, let's carry on. Slow down. Where are we at? 
Uh, yeah, and ask them questions to make sure you understand what they are sharing with you. So listen and ask questions. That'll help you stay focused. You know that my wife is a terrible listener by nature, and yet she's a great listener. Everyone wants to talk to her, but she's, she has to dig deep to love people with listening. And that's a, that's a grace of God in her life because it's not a natural uh, thing that she has. So that, I can honor that in her um, as, as something God has done. Sincerely apologize as often as you can about whatever you can whenever you, be, whenever you become aware of any misunderstanding or hurt. Uh, for so long, apologies have been in the re- held in the realm of sin. And, you know, sometimes us who are prideful, it's like, first show me that I'm sinful and then I will apologize for it. Um, but actually, just apologize as quickly as you can, as often as you can. Why? Because we love each other and we don't want to hurt each other. And even if we did nothing wrong, if we find out something we did was hurtful to someone, we immediately want to go to them and say, I'm sorry, I did not mean to hurt you. Um, can we work this out? Easier said than done. Set all the reminders you can to celebrate every special day you can, as often as you can, in everyone else's life. Birthdays, anniversaries, the day you started a job, everything you can. When another baby gets born, if, if you're single, and you're like, man, there's so many babies in King's Cross, instead of complaining about it, because there are a lot of babies, just take your digital diary and put that baby's date in and, and plan every year you're going to celebrate every kid that was brought into this world by God's miracle. You can get on on that train. Your calendar will fill up quickly. (laughs) Appreciate every effort and perspective, whether it meets your standards or not. Forget your standards. If someone's made an effort, appreciate it. Ask others for their perspectives and insights and feedback. Don't be a loner. Don't boast. Give credit away. Uh, Don't be self-sufficient. Need others. Don't arrive. Keep learning. Don't assume you have anything others need or want. Be open to anything people need or want. It's just a shift of attitude. Some of us think, you know, I've got what you need and want. You just sit there, I'll deliver it. Uh, don't assume you have anything someone needs or wants, but be ready that if someone needs or wants anything, you're ready to help out um, and you're ready to jump in. Uh, those are just some practical ways. I'm sure the list can be endless, but I just am trying to be as practical as I can in how we can grow in honoring one another. Let me pray for us.